Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 22nd edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarin Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The U.S. Supreme Court cast aside the Allergan unorthodox bid to shield its pharmaceutical patents from a federal administrative court's review by transferring them to a Native American tribe. The U.S. Supreme Court left in place a lower court ruling upholding the authority of the Patent and Trademark Office Tribunal to decide the validity of patents covering allergens' dry eye drug restasis. Its refusal to hear its argument that the tribe's sovereign status under federal law made the patents immune from administrative review by the trademark office. Generic drug company Myland NV wanted to sell its own lower-cost version of Restasis. So in 2016, it asked the agency's Patent Trial and Appeal Board to invalidate the Allergan patents on the ground that they described obvious ideas. Allergan transferred the patents to New York's St. Regis Mohawk tribe, which took legal ownership of the patents and then licensed them back to Allergan in exchange for ongoing payments. Allergan said it was protecting itself from the patent court, which it called a flawed and biased forum. The company said it did not object to the validity of its patents being reviewed by federal judges, but took issue with the administrative court. The Patent Tribunal in February 2018 rejected Allergan's maneuver, saying tribal sovereignty immunity does not apply to its patent review proceedings. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit, which specializes in patent law, affirmed that decision five months later. U.S. lawmakers from both political parties have called Allergan's deal with the tribe a sham. The Restasis patents have already been invalidated. In October 2017, a federal judge in Texas took that step instead of waiting for the patent board to rule, and that decision that was upheld on appeal. Myelin and Teva Pharmaceutical Industries have sought approval from U.S. regulators to sell generic versions of Restasis. Sutter Health, a California-based healthcare services provider and several affiliated entities, have agreed to pay $30 million to resolve allegations that the affiliated entities submitted inaccurate information about the health status of beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans. The inaccurate information resulted in the plans and providers being overpaid. CMS adjusts the payments to Medicare Advantage plans based on demographic information and the health status of each plan beneficiary. These adjustments are commonly referred to as risk scores. A beneficiary with more severe diagnoses will have a higher risk score, and CMS will make a larger risk-adjusted payment to the Medicare Advantage plan for that beneficiary. Sutter Health contracted with some plans to provide health care services to California beneficiaries in exchange for a share of the payments from CMS. The settlement resolves allegations that Sutter and its affiliates submitted unsupported diagnosis codes for some beneficiaries 
under their care. These unsupported diagnoses scores inflated the risk scores of these beneficiaries, resulting in the plans being overpaid. In March 2019, the government filed a separate complaint against Sutter and its affiliate entities, which is still ongoing. Cal OSHA has cited an agricultural employer and a farm labor contractor more than $100,000 in proposed penalties after a worker was fatally crushed by a bin dumper at a walnut processing and packing facility in Tahama County. In October 2018, forklift operators at Crane Walnut Shelling in Los Molinos were filling bins with walnuts, which were then dumped into a hopper for processing. A temporary worker for Cal North Farm Labor Incorporated was instructed to clean the area around the equipment. The worker was under an 800-pound bin dumper when it emptied its load and automatically lowered to the ground, crushing him. Cal OSHA's investigation determined the employer did not evaluate workplace hazards and... The worker did not receive safety training from Crane Walnut Shelling or Fresno-based Cal Northern Farm Labor Incorporated before being assigned to the job. Investigators found that Crane Walnut Shelling failed to ensure that the walnut bin domper they designated included proper machine guards or lockout tagout procedures to protect workers who maintain the machinery. Crane also failed to provide an extension tool for cleaning the area, which would have significantly minimized potential crushing hazards. Kalosha identified four serious violations and issued four citations, with proposed penalties totaling $67,500. Citations were also issued to Cal North Farm Labor for their failure to ensure that workers are trained on hazards related to cleaning and servicing around the bin dumper. Cal OSHA has issued more than $300,000 in serious citations to two employers after a temporary worker lost two fingers cleaning machinery at a food manufacturing facility in Los Angeles. The employee for Priority Workforce Incorporated was assigned to JSL Foods Incorporated, a maker and distributor of noodles, pasta, and baked goods. The worker was cleaning a dough rolling machine machine when his left hand was partially pulled into the moving rollers and two of his fingers were amputated. Cal OSHA's investigation found the machine had not been adequately guarded to prevent fingers from entering pinch points or de-energized and locked out to prevent movement while the worker was cleaning it. Neither employer had trained the worker to follow lockout tagout procedures before cleaning the equipment. Lockout involves isolating a machine from its power source and using a device to prevent machinery from being restarted, while a tagout device on a machine shows it is prohibited to operate. Kalosha cited JSL Foods Incorporated $276,000 in proposed penalties for seven violations, including one willful repeat serious violation and one willful repeat serious accident-related violation for failing to follow lockout and tagout procedures. 
JSL Foods Incorporated was cited twice before in 2015 for the same violations. Calosha also cited Tustin-based Priority Workforce Incorporated $29,000 in proposed penalties for three serious violations for failure to establish, implement, and maintain an effective injury and illness prevention program. Failure to ensure employees were effectively trained and failure to ensure the machine was adequately guarded. The Labor Commissioner's Office issued more than $2.36 million in wage theft citations to a Culver City car wash for failing to properly pay or provide required breaks to 64 workers. An investigation at Sentinella Car Wash Incorporated, DBA Playa Vista Car Wash, uncovered a variety of wage theft practices that are common in the car wash industry. The citations, which named the corporation's president and general manager as jointly and severally liable, are the largest issued against a car wash business by the Labor Commissioner's office. Workers required to report to an alley next to the car wash 30 minutes before the business opened to be selected to work that day. Those not selected were typically sent home several hours later without being paid for the waiting time. Workers were also frequently required to take extended lunch breaks with no split-shift premium, or they worked up to 10 hours a day with no overtime pay. Managers regularly altered the workers' time cards to reduce total hours worked. Consequently, in addition to the Car Wash Corporation itself, the corporation's president, Human Nasani, and general partner, Kivan Samoshani, were both held jointly and severally liable for the wage theft violations. The $2.36 million citation includes $1,849,000 payable to workers and $515,000 in civil penalties. And now our crime report. 60 doctors, pharmacists, and other licensed medical professionals in five states are being charged with illegally prescribing more than 32 million pain pills, in some cases for sexual favors. The charges filed across 11 federal districts included 31 doctors, 7 pharmacists, 8 nurse practitioners, and 7 other licensed medical professionals. The cases involve more than 350,000 prescriptions for controlled substances across five states and were the latest effort to combat the nationwide opioid epidemic. For example, in Tennessee, a nurse practitioner who branded himself as the Rock Doc allegedly prescribed opioids and benzodiazepines, sometimes in exchange for sexual favors. In another case in Ohio, a doctor who is alleged to have been at one time the highest prescriber of controlled substances in the state, and several pharmacists are charged with operating an alleged pill mill. A Kentucky dentist was charged for alleged conduct that included writing prescriptions for opioids that had no legitimate medical purpose and removing teeth unnecessarily. And yet another case, a doctor was charged for allegedly prescribing opioids to Facebook friends 
who would come to his home to pick up their prescriptions. Since July 2017, the DEA has issued 31 immediate suspension orders, 129 orders to show cause, and received 1,386 surrenders for cause nationwide for violations of the Controlled Substances Act. Ringleaders of sham clinics have pled guilty. Twelve defendants were taken into custody in 2017 on drug trafficking charges that alleged they diverted at least 2 million opioid prescription pills to the black market. Two grand jury indictments claim the activity took place through a series of sham Southern California clinics that periodically opened and closed in a nomadic style. The ringleaders were two San Fernando Valley brothers, and they have now pleaded guilty, admitting that they conspired to distribute powerful narcotics using the sham medical clinics that hired corrupt doctors who wrote fraudulent prescriptions to black market customers. 38-year-old Minas Metsoyan, a.k.a. Maserati Mike of Encino, and 32-year-old Hayak Matsoyan of Granada Hills each pleaded guilty. A July 15 sentencing hearing has been set for the brothers, each of whom faces a statutory maximum sentence of 20 years in federal prison. Minas Matsoyan admitted to controlling the sham clinics and hiring corrupt doctors who allowed their names to be used on fraudulent prescriptions in exchange for kickbacks. He then sold the narcotic prescriptions to black market customers, either directly or through couriers. And in medical news, physical therapy represents a $30 billion industry with an annual growth rate of 7% within the United States. The market is primarily composed of small independent practices. U.S. Physical Therapy Incorporated is the only publicly traded pure play provider of outpatient physical therapy in the U.S. The company operates outpatient physical therapy clinics that provide pre- and post-operative care and treatment for a variety of orthopedic-related disorders and rehabilitation of injured workers. It operated 591 clinics in 42 states as of the end of last year. It also manages physical therapy facilities for third parties, such as physicians and hospitals, with 28 such third-party facilities under management. And the company just announced that it has acquired a new company that is a provider of industrial injury prevention services. This adds to the previous acquisitions in the business line, which occurred in 2017 and 18. The newest company specializes in delivering injury prevention and care, post-offer employment testing, functional capacity evaluations, and return-to-work services. And in other industry news, the State Compensation Insurance Fund 2018 annual report is now available. Its net income of $187 million was up from $40 million the previous year. However, it announced a combined ratio of 134.7%, which is about 15 points lower than the previous year's high of 149.4%. 
a combined ratio of more than 100% means that an insurance company had more losses plus expenses than earned premium and lost money on its operations. By comparison, the WCIRB reported a statewide combined ratio of 91% for 2017. Thus, the state fund ratio of 134.7% is an expensive outlier in the data. State fund had a $460 million underwriting loss in 2018 compared to a $658 million underwriting loss in the prior year. The 2018 underwriting loss decreased due to an additional $217 million loss reserve strengthening for the prior accident years in 2017. The board of directors did not declare dividends for 2018 or 2017. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for Workers' Compensation News on Amazon. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Scarron, Manukian Langeman. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.